What's up? And welcome to the very first episode of Rebels in the Studio. I'm your host, Nate, and you may recognize me from previous failed podcasts, such as The Lefty Leftist, The True Rafiki, The Mix Up. What else was there? Oh yeah, that history buff. Yeah, I think that's it. I may have had others. I may have forgotten about them. Anyways, this is Rebels in the Studio, a podcast where we discuss basically radical music. I don't know how really to describe it. Listen to the trailer to learn more. To this episode, I have a very close friend of mine, Terrell, uh, on the show to discuss some interesting musical topics. Everything from Kanye West's new album, Donda 2, if you want to even call it an album, to basically, I don't know how we really got to where we ended up in the show, but it's a good listen. And please excuse the less than um, ideal sound quality on the show, because of course we had to do this recording remotely, therefore we couldn't have proper studio quality sounds. Therefore, we had to use Zoom to record this. So, and you know Zoom doesn't have the best audio quality. Anyways, that is enough. I hope you all enjoy the episode. Check out the show on social media at Rebel Studio Pod on Twitter and Instagram. You can hit me up on there to learn more about the show and where the show is going to be going in the future. On top of that, one very, very last thing. I am going to release an episode accompanying this episode, which will be sort of an episode zero as to why I started the podcast. If you want to listen to that episode, you can go ahead and listen to it. But it's sort of like um, a prologue, you know, as to why I started the show. Anyways, I'm rambling. Here's the episode with Terrell and I discussing, well, music. Just give me a sec. All right, I think. Hang on a second. Let me make sure it's working. All right, there we go. Perfect. My check, my check. One, two, you can hear me? Yeah, you're all good. It's all good on your end. Oh, all shoot. Right. It's too loud on my end. There we go. I've been trying to mess around with the audio on my computer for the longest time. So, anyways, we're recording now. Um, welcome, Terrell, to the show. Uh, What's up, guys? Glad to be here. Back to be back. Yeah, uh, he was on my previous podcast, for you all who don't know. Um, and I started this new podcast. So, Terrell's going to be in the first episode. And hopefully... Uh, many more episodes to come in the future. Of course, man. Yeah, so for sure. Today, we're talking about music, because this is now a music podcast. And uh, what I wanted to talk about today was primarily uh, how black music has influenced black culture, uh, both positively and negatively. Because I'm sure, Terrell, you know, like, black music is probably the biggest thing in what people call black culture, right? Yeah, I mean, 100%. Like, when we're talking about black culture, um, there's really two areas that really kind of speak, they kind of jump out at you. Um, the first area is appearance. Um, black culture is very deep rooted in our appearance. Um, if you go back to, if you can go back to our ancestors in Africa, like appearance is a very big thing. A lot of, you know, a lot of uh, tribal rituals require masks of some sort. So appearance mm-hmm. is a really big deal, especially even hairstyles, you know? Yeah. Right. Hairstyles are very important and very symbolic to our identity as black people and our, and our identity in black culture. And then the second thing 
as we um, we said, it was appearance, and then of course it would be, you know, the arts, you know, music, yep. dancing, rhythm, stuff like that. And where that comes from is because you pair that with your appearance, you know. So let's say we have the tribal ritual, you know, the ancestor rituals, you know, going on in Africa. So you pair that with the appearance, you know, you're wearing the right dress, you're wearing the right mask, you have your hair done the right, correct way, right? Then you pair it with the music and the rhythm and the beats, and we see how those two come together and they create art. That's part of our culture in Africa. Mm -hmm. Then if you want to fast forward a little further, you know, we go into the slave trade. Music was what helped a lot of the runaway slaves as well as the slaves keep track um, online when they're picking cotton or doing various tasks, as well as um, help them escape, you know, wade in the water, you know, it was a big um, Negro spiritual teachings, runaway slaves. Okay, you know, it's about if you're on the run, here are the things you need to do. Stay in the water because it hides, you know, just your smell from the dogs as well as it's a good hiding spot. Yeah. They're also, you know, through all the Negro spirituals, they have different, many different advices. Well, yeah, different advice to the runaway slaves. But of course, so the arts and music and music and appearance definitely are one of the two main fe- features in black culture. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I agree with you 100%. Um, but like when it comes to how that is being, I guess, portrayed today, you can still really see it because if you think about black music, it has a direct influence on not just black culture as a whole, but black appearance. You know what I mean? Like fashion, for example, you know? Oh, yeah, for sure. You know, and the one thing that a lot of people kind of don't realize uh you know about you know with bla- at least with black culture in terms of mu- in terms of re- i want to focus on just the music or at least if we not, not correct myself if we focus on black culture in let's say north americas or let's say in europe mm-hmm. we see that there is a intersectionality between these two you know between appearance and music right if yeah. we look at look at, you know if you look at any generation you know, if we want to look at just rap, you know, alone, every generation has its own look to go along with its own sound, you yeah. know? Mm. So, I mean, 100%, you know, though, that, I think that's one thing that we, a lot of people don't really realize about black culture is that music and appearance, it just, they just connect so much and they, they play on each other. You know, that it's not true. one singular thing that, that play that forces another thing. Like for example, well, one big thing we look at is like, okay, well, we look at back in the day, everyone was wearing baggy jeans. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It was, everyone was wearing baggy jeans, you know, baggy jerseys. Everyone was wearing jerseys, headbands, stuff. And why Why was that? Because rap culture at that time was very much connected to basketball culture yeah. or sport culture. Mm-hmm. Right? So that's where you get the headbands from. That's where you get the headbands from. That's where you get the jerseys from. Now, in yeah. terms of the baggy clothes, you, you know, you can say that's just probably due to the fact that's just the style, as well as that's kind of what we looked like. That's what, you know, that's what the gangsters looked like on the yeah. street. And that's yeah. what hip hop what hip hop artists were trying to portray at that point. Yeah. You know, it was a gangster imagery. But fast forward to now, we have we still have gangster rappers. However, a lot of our rappers now, they're a lot more cleaner. Right. Yeah. No, I'm just saying. I want. You know, I want, cleaner is not the correct word. Yeah, but I, I know what you mean. Yeah. They they look more. I would. I'm gonna say polished. Yeah. You know, they look more polished. They're they're wearing. You know, they're they're not only just wearing baggy clothes. They're sometimes they're wearing, sometimes they're wearing baggy clothes. Sometimes they're wearing designer clothes. Sometimes yeah. they're just wearing regular clothes. Mm-hmm. You know. So we've definitely seen the evolution 
in terms of appearance. And as we've seen the evolution, with as the appearance has evolved, the sound itself has also evolved to a new yeah. level. So now where rap is not only just gangster rap, right? We have people like Doja Cat who make pop rap. Mm-hmm. You know, we have guys like Drake who has technically speaking never been a known gang member, but yet can still affiliate with known gang members while at the same time shaking hands with some of the best athletes in the world and still being represented by Nike. Exactly. Right? Exactly. So the evolution is is it's been crazy, well, in my I, opinion. I feel like even in terms of rap, that rap doesn't really exist in the mainstream anymore, right? Like we have rappers who you would, I guess, normally call a rapper who do more singing than rap. You know, who um have more like a like an R and B sound than rap sound. You know what I mean? Rap. Like think about Nas. You know, in the nineties, compared to like a rapper today. Let's say. I don't even know what a good example like 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 future. Would you call future a rapper? Like would you call future's music hip hop, or would you call it something else? See, and that's a thing that people have still been kind of having arguments to this very much day about hip hop and rap because we have hip hop and we have rap and yeah. In my like in terms of in my in my head in my definition my personal definition is that rap is really like the Nas the Biggie the Tupac. A lot more rapping, a lot more rapping and more storytelling. Yeah. And hip hop is more so like future Drake and stuff. They are they are still technically rapping. However, it's more mel- it's more melody based. More it's more so, it, that music is more so commercial yeah. versus the Tupac and Biggie, Nas, those type of guys. They were still trying to make be commercial and still make money. I'm not trying to say that, but and they still the music still played in the club. However, it's not like you were dumped. You were. Da- it's not like you were dancing to "I'm Ready to Die" by Big. You weren't exactly. doing that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they're, they're they're and as well as as how they conducted themselves. You didn't see Biggie Smalls jumping in the crowd dancing and yeah. stuff. Mm-hmm. You know. Whereas with hip hop, a lot of hip hop artists, you know, you do see them. They're they're more the partiers. You know, think so. When I think of hip hop, I think more of like the originals, the original like Punk Master Flex, all those guys who were dancing and controlling the crowd. Yeah. Right. And then in terms of rap, I'm sorry, I think more of like the 90s, you know, the darker side of it. Because that's yeah. what I see. I really see hip-hop as the light and dark, yin and yang. Hip-hop's yeah. the lighter side. The rap is really the underbelly, the grittiness of it all. Yeah, the more real side, I would say. People always say like um, real hip-hop. I guess you call that rap. Whereas mm-hmm. hip-hop, in terms of what we think about it today, is more so the mainstream, more casual um yeah things you would party to right party music right so would you say this in your opinion um would you say that the hip-hop slash rap of the 90s was better or not as good as the hip-hop slash rap of today now completely ignore the 2000s because in my opinion the 2000s was like a whole i don't know like experiment but um because you know Things like Fifty Cent, Outkast, uh, who else from the two thousands was a really big like Soldier Boy, Kanye West, Kanye, Soldier well, Boy, Kanye, yeah, Kanye to me only existed in, in the two thousands. Well, no, no, Kanye today is is a strange. Speaking of Kanye, we're gonna have topic already. Speaking of Kanye, did you hear about Donda two? 
I did. I did. Uh, I, I want. I want to talk about that, but I kind of. I, I want to talk about that a little later on in the show. <laughs> um, give my one two piece because that's that's a whole rant, and I don't want. I would want to just kind of what you've been asking right now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll I get mean, to Donda two. Comparing... We'll get to Donda two later on today, um, or maybe another mm-hmm. time. I don't know because Donda two is a whole separate story. But uh, yeah. When it comes to 90s versus 2010s slash 2020s um, rap slash hip-hop, which would you say had the upper hand and why? Um, again, it depends on what you're looking at because it depends. Like For me, if I am looking in terms lyrically, I apologize to any 20, 20, to the 2010 to 2020 artists, but 90s artists, they have, they have your lyrics beat by far. I agree. You know what I yep. mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm sorry. To me, to, I I grew up on Biggie and uh, Biggie, and I grew up on Biggie, and I grew up listening to Fifty from my uncle. And I remember he, my dad's favorite Biggie line. It's not even hypnotized me. My dad said, "He said, Terrell, the man is so bad." He said, "He said, I can hear your heartbeat like Sasquatch feet." Mm. <laughs> and to anybody, and you hear that rhyme, and you're like, "Oh, that's a cool rhyme." But the delivery of it, the, he, yeah. break, he, he breaks it down so that each, that both lines meet up exactly. The Sasquatch mm. feet is the exact same way as a heartbeat. That yeah. same, he broke the syllables up, right? That type of attention to detail is not mm. happening anymore in the 2010s, 2020s. And it's not to say, and I'm not saying that it's in that sense that it's bad, right? It's mm. just, there's a lot more, there was a lot more craftsmanship, meaning in the sense that rapped back then was a lot it was more competition it wasn't so much oh i want to make a song and make money and and do whatever for rap rap was about putting on for your set it was putting on for your neighborhood you Mm. would it wasn't you just rapping just to make fame you were rapping and get to be the best in your neighborhood right these guys nowadays now it's not to say that it's still not that's not happening so of course it's cyphers and stuff are still happening and there of course there's still competition in the rap game Mm. but it's not like you go. It's not like you're gonna walk down Harlem and you're gonna see this. You know, these two these two guys out, but um, these two rap guys, rap, two guys rap battling on the corner with Mike Sound. You're not gonna see yeah, that. Not anymore. You know. Yeah. So in terms of a lyric, in terms of a lyrical bit, in a lyrical standpoint, I would definitely say '90s, um, as well as a lot of the things they were rapping about was a lot more realer, a lot more. I think, in my opinion, more relevant. Um, one thing a lot of people love to um, give this this these new you know, these new rappers um, praise for is talking about mental health. Mm-hmm. But a lot of those songs, if you go back to it, are talking about mental health. Yeah, they, you are. Know? they um, are. One of the I know there's a song where this guy he's talking he talk he is it's I forget who it was, but he's talking he's rapping and he's rapping about doing drugs yeah. right and how the drugs making him hallucinate and is making him think he's gonna die. Then there's another then he then. You know how rappers sometimes they tell different stories. They tell several stories in their verses. Yep. Another his other verse, he's talking about a guy who's schizophrenic, right? Yeah. Who thinks people are coming after him to kill him. You know, so it's like, well, these thing things obviously. Biggie as well. Like Biggie had okay. uh, suicidal thoughts, which was mm-hmm. a big track by Biggie, and also the um like ten crack commandments by Biggie. You know, talking about addiction and whatnot. It, it was always there. It was always there. It was always there. It was the only difference. The only reason why big, the only the only difference that was that now you get flowers for saying it, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But so in terms of lyrically, yes. But in terms of, I would say, 
commercial and the respect that you get for the notoriety you get for being a rapper, I'm definitely going to have to say 2010s, 2020s. Yeah. Um, not to say that the 90s weren't dangerous. I still say the 90s are probably the dangerous time to be a rapper, even though we do, we do, it seems like younger, that the rappers that are dying today are getting younger and younger. Yeah, I still always. say the 90s are worse. Because the 90s rappers, they didn't have an, a cash advancement from their label mm -hmm. to hold them over. These guys, Biggie, like, you know, even if you watch the, the Notorious B.I.G. movie, P. Diddy says to Biggie, yo, I know you're in the streets. I know you're this. You're a good rapper. But listen, my business is about the streets. It's not in the streets. Yeah. Right. And that, I think, was the, I think that's the difference. I think that's a turning point for rap. When 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 a lot of producers and artists said, "Okay, I'm gonna give up the I'm gonna give up the rock game. I'm gonna give up the drug game yeah. and become an art and become a rapper," and in so cleaning up their money, obviously, because now that's mo that's clean money, legal money, yeah, right, and it betters your family, exactly, right. So commercially, 2010s, 2020s, they have the clear advantage. They have streaming. They have social media. You know, um, the incident obviously is a huge adventure. I mean, you look at Doja. Doja Cat blew up because she's she sang a song called "Bitch I'm a Cat." Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's no state against him, but like that that you do that kind of stuff. Like I mean, Biggie Smalls literally clowned a rapper for doing that. Mm -hmm. You know, when he says, um, "You remember rapping Dukes, da ha da ha." Yeah. You never thought yeah. hip hop would take it. He's referring to an old like a before like an old school rapper called Dahar, and he was a hip-hop cowboy and he was mm. atrocious hmm. and it was along the similar lines as doja cat yeah right so people like drake like doja cat and stuff they would like little uzi Vert, they wouldn't be able to exist in that time period but now that it's become more commercial and you're and now that hip-hop is branched off into not this singular lane you have more commerciality you can find your niche a little yeah. bit better you can find your own community and find your own lane whereas yeah, yeah you know, look at, look at, you know, you look at some of the first female rap, the first, I, like, I love looking at female rappers as the perfect example of this because you look at Little Kim. Yeah. Little Kim, at how she was portrayed, she was portrayed as, of course, promiscuous, you know, mm -hmm. very sexually active, very sexually active, as, of course, the women are of today, which is, that's obviously when you get women in anything, society yeah. always wants to push them that to way. sex. Yeah. That's the unfortunate yeah. reality. You know, it's not fair, but. It, it is what it is. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, but not only that, Little Kim, when you hear her rap, she was, there was very few times where you were like, oh, this is a soft-spoken girl. You know what I mean? Yeah. She was always rough. She, you know, If anything, I felt like Little Kim was going to beat me up. Yeah. You know? Um, and now you look at, you now you look at, you fast forward to today's, and I guess I'm only picking on the newer rappers because, of course, older rappers like Nicki Minaj and Cardi a little bit, they have that bite, that edge to them. Right, because of course they're from they're kind of from that time period, right? Yeah. But the new rappers like Doja, like Sweetie and stuff, you can tell that it's pretty girl music. They sound pretty, you know. Like you hear the voice and you're like, this sounds like a pretty person. Whereas Little Kim sounds a little more aggressive, right? Mm -hmm. So I would so if you know if I'm picking my generation and what time I want to listen to, I'm going to pick the 2010s, 20, uh, the 2010s to 2020s, purely from the ask, purely looking from the aspect of variety now granted the quantity that we get isn't the greatest we don't get the greatest quantity but the variety like i can go from listening to hardcore rap to conscious rap like you know i can go from 50 cent to kendrick lamar to little uzi Vert to trippy red to juice world to a lot of eminem if i want hard lyrics you have options now mm. which i'm grateful for and i'm happy for so i would definitely think present day rap
or hip hop. To me, like I agree with you. And one thing I wanted to point out as well is that I think today um, the musicality of the artists is way better than back in the 90s and 80s. You know, partially because today we have the tools and technology, you know, to sort of uh, push the boundaries of music. But like we think about how many rappers today can sing, you know, and sing well. You know, not like fake sing yeah. like Akon, but like actually sing well. You know, and when they're not singing, they're and like or say they're say they're um trying to sing and they don't sing well, but they still sound good. You know, we have yeah. that. Um, and then the the melodies. You know, like hip hop and and rap today is melodic. Almost every song has a melodic part to it, and when it comes to vocals. You know. Yep. But where it misses out, in my opinion, is is lyrically right. You know, um, in the '90s, and I guess the '80s to a lesser extent. You know, the lyrics were 100%, or at least mostly real. The rappers spoke about things that actually happened to them. You know, whereas today, that doesn't really happen. You know, they have ghost writers writing stories that aren't necessarily true. They're all like, um, you know, you have guys like 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 Drake's notorious, right? It started from the bottom. You know, meanwhile, we all know mm-hmm. the story. You know, we, we all know how that least, never happened. Least, and 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 then and the one and Drake's Drake's a little bit of a weird phenomenon. Um, and it's one thing I've always said about one thing like I used I used to kind of be on that mindset like Drake mm-hmm. has a ghostwriter I don't really count him and stuff. But the one as time has gone on and I've had time to think about it, as mo- every rapper kind of has this kind of carries their city on, right? That's you true. know, um, for example, like let's look at Future. Future is from Atlanta. Wait, is he from Atlanta? Yeah. Yeah. The there's yeah. Atlanta has at least thirty or forty mainstream rappers. Mainstream rappers. Yeah. yeah. So look, let's look at Future. Go. Future's from Atlanta. What is Atlanta known for? Strippers. What is Future known for? Strippers. Exactly. Drake, on the other hand, he's from Toronto, and Toronto is doesn't have a Toronto has a great nightlife, one hundred percent. But it's not known for anything. The thing that yeah. it's not known for that. But what it is known for is the melting pot. The so That's you know true. the cultural melting pot. Mm. And one thing that drake i've started to realize about drake is drake is a, 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 an example of what happens when you grow up in a melting pot that's true you know drake like we have to like people don't really sit down and look at who drake really is drake is a biracial jewish kid who was on a teenage who was on a teen 18 drama show yeah like you have to take like you have to look and then you look at that and you're like okay but he's speaking patwa now he's speaking arabic you know he's whining he's, he's doing all these doing things everything. and it's like yeah. and he's doing everything and a lot of people and that's what makes him so great and marketable because he grew up in an environment where he grew up with jamaicans he grew up with you know people who spoke arabic he grew up around these cultures mm-hmm. and now he's flipped it and said okay I've experienced all this, so let me flip it around and see how I can market myself. And he's been able. And for, he, what I, I loved his, I loved his business model because he focused. He primarily focused on the American market and yep. getting established there. And once he got established there, that's Came when he back. started to become a little more international. And he started, you know, he started introducing Popcon and all yeah. these kind of on all these other Caribbean artists. And I was like, that's a really smart move because because if we know anything about the american market the american market is not too friendly with international yeah they don't like new things or if or if or if even if you have a monet some some sort of success it's not very long it usually Mm -hmm. gets flushed out immediately right that's true 
That's so true. I was so Drake's a little bit different. Drake's a little bit different in that aspect, but you are absolutely right in the sense that guys like Drake would not exist. You know? Yeah. That's true. You know, I I feel like uh, when it comes to, I guess if if you're looking at it like song versus song, you know, I would have to say I would prefer the '90s over today. You know, like ideally, to be completely frank. You know, I said don't include 2000s, but I would prefer the 2000s over anything. Like between 2000 and 2010, like that, that to yeah. me was peak music as a whole. Not just hip hop and rap, but peak music. But again, I think we are biased because that was, you know, when we were young. You know, we were growing up. That's what we consumed. Yeah, you know? but yes, yeah, but I also kind of have to disagree because you can, even though you know, even though you kind of have a, a familiarity bias, since you're familiar with that time period, mm. you come from that, but you can clearly look like, for me personally, I say that with music, at least nowadays, there's so much pressure to make TikTok threads, to make it trendy, to make a challenge out of something. And it's and like, a lot of these, now, and, and 2000s, 2000s had a perfect blend of you had hard rappers and then you had trends like you know we had chicken noodle soup we had soldier boy yeah. it was balanced out though you know i feel well, like every song that comes out now it's like we have to throw some sort of tiktok trend at it to make it going you i know? feel like in the 2000s that's when hip-hop and rap became like mainstream you had it mainstream in the 90s among like you know the more poor black people but in the 2000s it became mainstream for everybody like hip hop was oh yeah sure. dominating top tens, you know, because every single song, or at least the the main songs, always had corresponding dances, you know. And once you got mm-hmm. that going on, then of course the song is always being played because people want to do the dance. You know, you got to be included exactly. at parties, I, I, at clubs, at weddings, everything. You know. Mm-hmm. But see, it's balanced out because it, 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 I feel like now we've we've tipped it now. So we've now gone. So we, before I feel like we had this balance. Yeah, we had. Hardcore rap, like on one end we had you know, hardcore rap, and then we had like, I, I guess the argument, pop rap, you know, yeah, yeah. or rap that's for like, tre- like trendy rap. And now it's like the two, like nine, you know, the nineties, it was all about hardcore rap. And then yeah. as soon as we got two thousands, we got like the middle point. And then once you get like twenty tens, we started getting bigger. Like Hotline Bling really yeah. starts kind of push that yeah. a little bit. Mm. It pushed that, pushed it really out there. And then we got to like TikTok, and now it's like, I no really into like every song that comes out. I feel like either someone starts a trend or uses the audio and then becomes trending yeah. and i feel like artists now are putting artists are now kind of like like i think what artists are doing is they're dropping albums mm-hmm. and they're dropping one they're putting one single or they'll put one single they'll put several singles on the side it's a long enough album and they'll put a couple on there that they hope can, catches on tiktok just so they can get the extra stream they can get yeah. the extra buzz you know mm-hmm. and i feel like when you a lot of focus is on making songs TikTok trendy and not so much good. Good, yeah. You know? Yeah. Right? And that's where I feel like now we're starting to go, now we're starting to risk, now we're starting to push quantity versus quality. That's true. Right? That's That's been a thing uh, going on for the past, I guess, 10-ish years. Because in, in my opinion, right, and people always laugh at me for saying this, but in my opinion, nobody has a work rate like Chief Keef. You know? From the time Chief Keef was how old was he like 14 when sosa was a thing remember sosa mm-hmm. and chief keef has you know over the past 10 years at least 30 albums like full albums 
you know, 12, 13 songs mm-hmm. on each album. You know, he has almost 400 songs out. And in my opinion, like Chief Keith is your perfect example as to how I think the future of hip hop is going to go. Because people are going to be releasing song after song after song, three, four, five albums per year, getting their plays up, you know, getting their streams up so they can earn money really fast. You know, they, they just release mm-hmm. mediocre music, you know, because it'll do well for like maybe a few weeks. And then after a few weeks, you release a new album. After a few more weeks, a new album, you know? Yep. Whereas, and, and, and we see, mm. and we're seeing it, and we see it, sorry to cut you off there, yeah. but we, a per, another perfect example is, of an artist that has done that is The Baby. Yeah. You know, the Baby came out with his first album, then a couple months later, he came out with another album, and then now he's dropping another album. And it's like, when you keep releasing album after album after album or single after single, you know, look at Meagles, you look at Future, you look at The Baby, you get franchise fatigue, you know, you yeah. get artist fatigue. Right. Mm-hmm. And some of these like some of these artists are starting to experience that. And it's like it's one of those things where it's like when this starts to happen, I kinda look at artists and stuff and I said, You guys need to take a step back. Because yeah. if you're continuously rapping about the same thing over and over and over again, maybe you need to take a break. You yeah. know, one thing I, I always praise J. Cole and even Drake and all the greats that you hear about a lot they allow pauses in their career, you know. Yeah. Nicki Minaj took a huge break took a break rihanna is taking a break beyonce is now taking a break you know mm. drake took a little bit of a break and when they come when these artists come back they've experienced life a little bit they've changed it a little bit yeah. and when that change occurs they can rap different they can rap differently they see things a little bit differently and the thing you is and with that that creates confidence their their music sounds different so they're not the same you yeah. know every single one of kendrick lamar's albums sounds different Oh yeah, you know, and, for sure. The same can be said um, for J. Cole and, and I guess for Drake to a lesser extent. His albums all have a different vibe to them, you know? Yeah. And that's what makes their music good. You know, I, I, I'm not the biggest Drake fan, but there's no denying that Drake is a good musician, you know? Oh yeah, yeah. And that, and, and, and the thing, and, and he's, he's a great musician, but what's even better about him is that he's a good performer. Yeah. And I don't mean a performer in the in the classic sense, like Michael Jackson, Beyonce. Mm. He's not gonna dance you to, for enjoyment, but he know because of his acting background, he knows how to put on a character and a show and entertain people yeah. without having to dance. Like it's it's like it, I've never seen some like I've never seen someone who is supposed to be all cringy. Like <laughs> Hotline Bling was supposed to be cringy, and, and somehow it became... blew him up into this mainstream thing. People you are know, still doing it even today. If you look, yeah, to the day, even if you look at even if you look at um the too sexy video, yeah. right? It was a joke. It was it was him joking. He was joking on having fun with it. You know, he had Kawhi in there, the fun mm-hmm. guy was shaking his hands with on the beach, they're all on the beach, you know. It was supposed to be funny. And it's like that's that's what he uses. Yeah. That's what he uses to get across. And that's where like I guess it just like I said, we said, you know, lyricism has evolved. Same thing with performances. You know, before we had rappers kind of on stage and like some girls would be dancing. Then we transitioned to, I guess, we transitioned. No, before we just had rappers kind of just on stage. Then we had yeah. rappers with women on stage, right? Now we're, we're, we're kind of doing a mixture. We're having rappers on stage with right, the rappers dancing sometimes. Sometimes he's interacting with the dancers, he's interacting mm-hmm. with the crowds. You know what I mean? Sometimes there's set P, like set performances set up in the actual performance, yeah. you know? Unfortunately, I can only think of off the top of my head. I can think of Coyle Ray, 
Koi. Koi Laray. I call her Koi Delaray. Yeah, yeah. my girlfriend all the time. I love it. But <laughs> Koi Delaray stage the entire fight scene in the middle of her song. Mm. You know? And it was obviously it was not no one liked it. Everyone was like, this is terrible. But like people, this is what people are doing now. Yeah. People are pushing the envelope further and further. And that's what's supposed to happen, to be honest. That's like, true. I, no way am I arguing. There's no way I'm, I'm not arguing that rap should go back to a certain period. No, because that's just not how life works. You know what I mean? You know, this is a good transition to Donda 2, pushing the envelope. You know, oh, Kanye West. You know, I think Kanye is the king of pushing the envelope. And I'm going to get this out there right away. People are going to hate me for saying this. I think Kanye is the greatest musician of our era. Hands down. There's no other artist that can produce, that can rap, that can have a brand, that can do... If Kanye were to breathe, it's news. You know, because it's Kanye. He's he's like the... the I don't know. He's a great musician, great producer. I like a lot of his stuff. Um, not so much lyrically, but just the fact that he had the audacity to release this, you know, and do that, you have to respect him a little bit. You know, ignoring his personal life, ignoring what he does outside of music, I think Kanye deserves a lot more respect than he gets. But Donda 2, what are your thoughts? Um, okay, so before I get to Donda 2, uh, two I kind of want to just adjust, say something to the way you said. So yeah. I am the biggest Kanye West fan. Um, I think out of the first rapper, I actually, like, I chose out. Like, I personally said, okay, this is someone who I will listen to all the time. It was Kanye West. Um, I listened yep. to Graduate. It was Graduation, um, Good Morning. That was the first real yeah. rap song that I actually remember. I, I can say I memorized, like, start to finish, yep. you know? So I'm a huge Kanye West fan. That being said, you know, um, Kanye West, I wouldn't even say he's the rapper. And as you yeah. said, I think you you, you you correct. I think you correctly identify him as an artist. He's an artist. Yeah. Um, and I reason what, and the reason why I say he's an artist is because you have when you when you get into when you deal with you know the arts. Yeah. You know when you deal with any, you know if you deal with any kind of field, any specific field you look, you look at sports like you know sports. You have Steph Curry, he's a three-point specialist. Yeah. Andre Jump, rebound specialist. Chris Paul, floor general. Everybody does their job in that in that industry. When you come to the arts, you have rappers, you have hip hop artists, you mm-hmm. have singers, you have vocalists, and you have artists. People yeah. who they just they're just so creative. Yeah. Right? They're so creative in a way that they just they do they just they think of things that you don't even see coming you know um mm-hmm. and one of the things that i want to give kanye West flowers for is his streaming one of yeah. those one of the few things that he kind of caught on to it and i said this i said yo him doing that whole title thing that yeah. was huge mm-hmm. that's what kicked in the door for streaming really and truly because he proved to everybody he said yo if you have the product right doesn't matter where the product is you put it somewhere people yeah. will go people will now go. people didn't sign up people didn't sign up to hear life of pablo on title as much right but you the conversation was still had people were still yeah. talking about it right mm-hmm. and that's and then we right and so now we have streaming now obviously he's not single-handedly responsible for streaming but he definitely played a huge role his album life of pablo and how he he lately released it right definitely helped to push uh, music to becoming more streaming and less about did you know physical copies yeah less about right? sales yeah 
more about right? streams. So in that, so yeah, so in that aspect, he definitely it pushes the envelope. Um, as another thing about him being an artist is that Kanye West doesn't limit himself, and that's, that's the sign of a true artist. Mm-hmm. Like, you look at you know you look at like guy you know you look at Kanye West. Kanye West on every single album has given you something new. Graduation, yeah. he was this happy you know he was this happy guy he was like i finally graduated i'm out to go out I'm, you know, I'm about to go out to the world you know i'm about to face the world i'm excited you know i'm a little nervous but i'm excited you know i'm here to I'm, let's go yeah <clears throat> college dropout he's this college dropout he's very very pro-black like in your face pro-black yeah there you know he's very college boy very fratty very um <clears throat> very anti-establishment in a yeah. sense yeah you know if we think back to spaceships he's literally talking about gap and how they're just exploiting his blackness for yeah. sales right so you have that then if you move on to what was what was after um college dropout what was it um was it um late registration was that one was called late registration yes late registration mm-hmm. so then you have that's an, that's a guy who's basically like okay i went to school i did what i had to do at school i dropped out but now i, I kind of want to come back just because i feel like i could learn something i could do something and he did and he went back to school and he did it he did what he had to do he got yeah. his degree mm-hmm. right then after that we had what 808 and heartbreak that is now his electronic phase his electronic yeah. more dark more emotional emo phase yeah. right so every album he's something every album he's something different and then as a true artist a true artist always evolves comes to something new Mm-hmm. And I was always thinking on the box. So the next artist, 100%, he's a true artist. You know, he deserves his flowers. As all, Again, as you said, you need to look, you know, you can't really bring his personal life in. Exactly. To because obviously, he, in his personal life, there's a whole bunch of things that have gone. And I don't really want to, I don't want to go into it because I don't, I don't know him personally enough to make those, any kind of statements about it. Or to Plus really there's, there's no it. point because people already know. You know, people already see yeah. it online and we, we know all the drama, but people exactly, seem to yeah. forget that he is among the greatest musicians. I think of, I guess, you know what? I'm going to upgrade it from just our generation, but ever since um, electronic instruments have been used in music, Kanye West has been like one of the best. The guy. You know, yeah, yeah. since... I would, I... Hmm. I would put him. I honestly, I would put him up there with like P Diddy and stuff like that. Like he's at that. Like to me, he's at that level. If not, like if not above that level, because P Diddy, like for me, P Diddy was like the first incarnation of Kanye West. You know, yeah. P Diddy had the fashion line. He had the modeling. He had the music. He had the label. He had everything. Everything. Right. Mm-hmm. And then it just obviously because of the time period and as a black man being in corporate America, it's hard. It's hard yeah. to you know. It's hard to have any success. But Kanye West was kind of like the re- Kanye West said, okay, P. Diddy, you're a producer. I'm a produce. He produced. Okay, P. Diddy, you're a rapper. I'm a rap. Okay, Diddy, you're, you're a fashion designer. You have your own line. I have my own line too. Yeah. Right? Everything. So, so I feel like that's where, where I feel. Now, when we come on to Donda 2 now, I have some mixed feelings yeah. about Donda 2. Um, I definitely feel like... Um, I don't know what we're going to get from this project because yeah. if we're looking, if we're, I, one thing I've always told every single person about Kanye West, I said, the further and further you go along his discography, the more experimental his music gets. Definitely. And if you are not okay with experiment, if with an artist trying new things out and putting it on the out, not trying something out, see if it works and then but saying, just, okay, it doesn't work taking out, but to put, even if it doesn't work to put it on the album yeah, to run with it, like that's 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 who Kanye West is, and that's what Dondo. Dondo to me 
was him constantly experimenting. He yeah. was, and I think what he was do, what he's doing is what's going to what's going to be the new norm, right? I, I think so. so and I think a lot of ours, oh, sorry, go, go ahead. Yeah, I feel like with with Donda too, because I haven't heard the album yet, right? And I don't know anyone who actually has, but it's out. So basically, with Donda too, Kanye released this thing called a stem player. And Donda 2 is uploaded onto this piece. It's, it's, it's like an iPod, right? It's sort of like um, some sort of device. And with the device, mm-hmm. yeah, you, can, yeah, like you can change the song however you want it to sound. right? You can remove vocals, mm-hmm. you can add sounds, you can add effects, remove effects, whatnot. So basically, in, in my opinion, I think that was the smartest thing you can possibly do when releasing an album. Because now you make your album impossible to pirate. Like, how, how yeah. are we going to hear Donda 2, you know, in the way it was meant to be heard without actually spending $200 and buying the stem player. You know what I mean? I but mean, people, I guess... Mm. What I, sorry, don't mean to cut you off, but I mean, you know, you're, you're absolutely right. Like, the stem player, the idea... It, like I said, when he first came out, because he first came out with the idea of the stem player with Donda, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, and a lot of people, a lot of people overlooked that because originally he wanted Donda to only be on the stem player. Mm-hmm. Right, but of course, one thing I think when you introduce something new, you can't make it exclusive right away. You know what I mean? That's true. Um, looking mm-hmm. at look at any type of new product that's come out. Look at iPhones. iPhones started out with green bubbles. Yeah. Then we transitioned to blue bubbles, and that's where the exclusivity comes. So you have to buy. You have to make people buy in, right? Which is what he kind of did with Donda. Yeah. Right. And then now they bought in a little bit. Obviously, he still sold the stem player, and the stem player still did make money because a lot of people, well, I wouldn't say a lot of people. I would say the a lot of music fans, musical engineers, they love that type of stuff, yeah, right? Being able cool. to take to isolate audio, isolate bit like that's and you know add things. That is a great tool for audio, you know, audiophiles, mm. right? People who love music or not music, but audio, you know? audio, yeah, right. So, um, so the stem player, it's a good idea. Um, I liked it with Don. I though I like the the business model where it's more so like if you get Donda, you also get the stem player. Like for example, yeah. if you buy the deluxe edition, he ships you. You know, he ships you the Donda. You can buy the Donda player too. Now I don't have a problem with it being you know like you know concert merch. You know, like merch. Like yeah. you know when Drake dropped his album, he had Nike stuff. I don't mind it being that either. Right? Do what you have to do in terms of making money because. Uh, what we've seen in the you know in terms of economically in the past couple years is that any little thing can mess you up and yeah. if you can oh, make yeah. your money anyway make your money yeah right but the stem for at least for Donda 2 and the way he's going about it for at least Donda 2 I don't really like it and I don't really like it because I think it kind of hurts him and I think it hurts the concept because Donda it's Donda as an album was wasn't the it wasn't a lot of people some people liked it but yeah. because it came out right with drake's album a lot of people just said okay i picked drake's album and they didn't really sit down and listen to donda yeah. as much as you kind of should right yeah yeah um right now with donda so you already have people looking at donda like uh and i'll be honest even me too donda's a, eh, like it's not his greatest thing but mm. in terms of there's a lot of things there's a lot of songs on there that i like like for example, let me just open up my music, like because I download, <laughs> I download the album. Let yeah. me even pull up what's a couple like, of songs me, that I like. While I'm like, when I heard Donda, you know, I feel like if I was a regular, you know, hip hop fan, I wouldn't like Donda. You know, I wouldn't understand it. You know, the whole idea of having the opening song as you know the Donda chant, right? The notorious Donda chant. 
You know, people would mm-hmm. think, what does that do for the album? But you have to listen to it from beginning to end. It's like um, when Kendrick Lamar released Damn, you know? Mm-hmm. You can't, like, yeah, individually the songs are good. But when you play it together, you know, from beginning to end, the whole, better, yeah. the whole album is much better. You know, you, you and, understand. And, 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 and he was brave for that because when mm-hmm. concept albums, like I call those, I call those type of albums concept albums. Yeah. When concept albums drop, they don't do well. Yeah. Because like, like, you look you look at The weekend. The weekend did the exact same thing. He did a concept album. He said, okay, this whole album is basically like a radio station. And yeah. he ran it like that. And nobody liked Everyone was like, this is trash. This is the worst. Which, first of all, let's be, I want to be completely clear to everybody. To everybody that says that album was trash, it was not trash. <laughs> it's just not as good as his usual work. Yeah. And that's fine. Like, like we need to we need to stop saying something's trash just because we don't think it matches up to the the body of work that you've done before. Wait, it yeah. can still be good, just not as good not as the as rest. good. Yeah, right. But concept albums don't usually do well. That's I think that's why Donda didn't really do well. Now, yeah. if you're gonna do Donda, now I'm looking at Donda two, and if you're really going to sell Donda two to us with a stem player, like through a stem player, it has to be a concept album, right? Yes. So, for me. I'm not as excited because, well, I hope, like I said, I hope he, what, the one thing he takes from Donda is that he goes, okay, I did a lot of experimentation, which is what he did. Like he, like cons, he was cons, him and Drake were constantly updating the album, mm-hmm. taking out verses, adding verses, changing this, changing that, changing how certain things that changing the delivery and certain things, which one for me personally, I love that. Yeah. I am sorry to any. I, I'm, I know that may seem annoying to consumers because you have to re-download <laughs> the song. But guess what? If your artist, let's be let's come let's be let's be completely honest with uh, with everybody. Nothing that is created comes out of the factory is 100% ready to, to go. Oh yeah, everything oh, yeah. comes out with flaws. You look at any video game that exactly. comes out. Any most, video game. most major video games that come out within a month or maybe two weeks, they release a patch. Yep. Why? You just released the game. Why does it need to be patched? Because it's not perfect. Yeah. Same thing with music. A lot of arts, a lot of times with artists, they get pressured by their labels and stuff to just rush and put out the yeah. album. Mm-hmm. You know, we've seen that with Tiana Taylor and all the good music artists. They all were pushed by Kanye to release only 12 track albums and it was pressure, right? What they, what Kanye West and Drake did is revolutionary in the sense that, yes, yeah, so even if you're, they basically said, even if you're rushed, if your label gives you the power to edit and change some of the songs to what you want to do, do it yeah because exactly. a lot of the times that's going to make people want to come back which is making mm-hmm. more which creates more sales now with the stem player i don't know how much that works i don't know how much you can do with the experimentation right because mm-hmm. it, it requires a lot more technology it requires more it's, it requires you more tech savvy because i'm thinking you can't just i'm, I'm assuming that if you're if you are going to release it i'm assuming he's probably going to be experimenting with the album I'm, well, I'm hoping he does right because his ability, his ability to release albums and the album to be great off rip, is not there anymore. He needs time, right? Yeah. Considering the fact he hasn't had that much time since Donna to even do this, kind of concerns me. So I know he's probably updating. Which means, which begs the question: If you buy the stem player, are you going to have to update like an iOS update to update your songs? Probably. Because yeah. That's the only thing I can think of. Which, probably again, because would make it. What I know about Donda too. Is that a lot of the things on Donda Two was supposed to be on the original Donda, right? So um, it was like one of those projects to where Donda was incomplete. So we released Donda Two as sort of the finished 
you know, the the final addition to addition. Donda, right? So I feel like with the STEM player, you know, there will be updates as the technology improves, as maybe Kanye has new ideas, he wants to release them. He will release them for mm-hmm. the STEM player so people can... So basically, Donda 2, the album, you know, at least this is what I think, it will always be changing. You know, it's... This year, the album sounds like this. Next year, the album sounds different. Same idea, but different sound. You know, mm-hmm. which is, and you know, I, basically... And I like, and I like, that, and I, I, mm, I like that idea. Sorry. Yeah. It, it, it makes the album last forever, pretty much, right? Because it's always going to be different. And, and everybody's going to hear it in a different way because you're literally changing how the song actually sounds. You know? Mm-hmm. So, basically, if somebody were to... Um, upload the audio file for one of the Donda 2 songs on YouTube, for example, you know, that's not going to be the actual final version of the song. That's just going to be that person's version of the song. Whereas if I buy the stem player, I can make that song sound however I want, you know, within the limitations Mm -hmm. of the stem player, which is pretty, I think it's pretty cool. But I've been seeing online that a lot of people um, are not in favor of the stem player because they're just not in favor of Kanye, you know? So I always tell people, like, yo, make sure to don't attach the musician. Um, don't attach well, the, the music with the personal life, you know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. people people like R. Kelly's music, but people don't like R. Kelly. There's no denying that R. Kelly made bangers, you know, and yes, that's what controversial I mean? to say, but you, you can't deny that. You can't deny that 20 years ago, we were all jamming out to our R. R- Kelly, right? We can't erase yeah. that, you know, but... Not, it, not, not, hmm. not, not, not even 20 years ago. I mean, Recently? even before he was going to, even before he was going to prison, he was still doing shows and we were still touching him and, and fawning over him and e- everything. Exactly. So it's, it's not... It's not even like it's not even like we go. We don't have to go back that far. We can go maybe like two, three years ago. And there are videos of women freaking out at R. Kelly show. Exactly. So you know, right, so you're absolutely right that when you when you look at Kanye, you know, yes, Kanye personally, like in his personal life, is a bit of an idiot. You know, he's he's um, has this god complex which he's had for a long time, but that doesn't mean he makes bad music. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Look at 50 Cent. Yeah. I would not want to be 50 Cent's friend at all. But it doesn't mean oh, no, for sure. I won't listen to 50 Cent music. You know, same goes mm-hmm. for pretty much 100%. every other rapper. I don't like the personality, but you know what? They make good music, so what am I going to do about it, you know? 100, 100%. And I, I, I hear, see, for me, I kind of draw, I draw a line at, this, uh, I draw a line where you kind of go, if you do something so bad and you show remorse for it, I can kind of forgive you because mm-hmm. I well, I kind of have to forgive you because you're showing remorse. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not the person to be like, oh, you know, like, for example, like with the baby, with his whole, I, forgot, what was, I don't know if it was Coachella, it wasn't Coachella, was it? Or whatever it was. Yeah. With this whole thing where he was basically being homophobic. Right? Yeah. yeah. Like, I wasn't, I wasn't ready to, say, like, I didn't listen to the baby for a while. Not because like it was so it wasn't a crazy atrocity like it was bad, you know. And I and I one hundred percent hear what the LGBTQ plus community is saying, and I definitely agree with them on that side. Because mm-hmm. no matter which way you slice it, he was definitely being condescending. He was definitely da- like he was talking down to the effect of you know sucking dick. Yeah. Whether you're straight or gay, like he it, like he that's just he was talking down on it, which included them. 
right? But if you show remorse and you try to change your ways, you try to get better, then I can't really knock you for it, you know? Mm. Guys like Tory Lanez, on the other hand, are completely written off for me because it's like whether you did some, uh, I'm not going to say whether he did or didn't yeah. do it. That's up for the courts to say. But the manner in which you can, how you handle yourself afterwards, was, I didn't like yeah. that. And it was very, it was incredibly immature. It was very, and it was very stupid. He messed with his business. Yeah. All he had, like, re- really and truly, whether he did it or not, if he'd come out remorseful and made it seem like he was sorry, totally better but he came out arrogant he came out brazen he kept he kept he kept he kept going acting like oh no one can touch me and i'm sitting here this whole like are you guys delusional Mm. are you guys stupid this is a desperate man he doesn't have a label and no label is going to touch him with this record this with this court case going against him he's done even if he he, like like if he wins it he has he stands a better chance but but it for me personally i'm already turned off because you didn't like you know you didn't you you just can't you just can't it's like i, I personally felt he's playing behind the scenes a lot mm. right and i felt like his management was also, also you know because it's like all of a sudden like after that happened we're hearing these stories that meg has a drinking problem this meg has this problem they this now which now all of a sudden people are trying to make meg out to be aggressive and all this stuff and like a fighter and i'm like when has like when when where did this where did all this come from yeah you know what i mean not to mention i find it incredibly weird kind of go off topic but i found it incredibly incredibly weird how tory lanes hung up with the rapper the rap you know toronto based artist you know toronto artist chromas one day and the next day chromas is out calling meg the stallion marcus the stallion and make and made a whole song about you know dissing her and stuff and i'm like huh that is so that is such a weird coincidence how you just hung out with this guy well and now you're attacking meg you know okay especially so just for y'all who don't know who chromas is just don't bother just, just don't bother. <laughs> no, no. Most of, yeah, don't bother. Don't. Most of my audience is American, right? So luckily, you folks don't have to. You guys don't know who they to are. Deal with that. Who she is. And what I'm really happy about is that I left Toronto um, almost two years ago, so I don't have to live in the same city as Chromas. So I'm, I'm doing well. But yeah. Anyways, continue. But yeah. But yeah, so it's it's just that just off topic. I just found it a little weird. That was just yeah. a little weird and coincidental for me, you know, that it just seems like all of this bad press is coming on a Meg all of a sudden, and I'm just like, God, God, it makes it makes sense for it to come from his camp because or him trying to pull those strings because you want to. It's about politics. It's about yeah. who wins in the eyes of the people. Doesn't matter about the court case. That's the that's the thing that rap that I think a lot of. I think rap in its terms of the you know commu- music community, no one cares about the court case. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Look at R. Kelly. There are still people out there who still argue that R. Kelly is innocent. So people don't ultimately people don't care about the court case in Florida. People have already made their decisions, made their ideas, made their things, and they're going to run with it. And that's fine. That, that, that that's fine. If you personally want to do that, that's on you. That's power to you. I'm going to sit here, listen to the court case, whatever the courts say. That's what I'm gonna go with, and that's that. You go from there. If back Troy to the R. Kelly in, thing. If he's innocent, I'll give yeah. a thing. But go on. Back to the R. Kelly thing. People still thinking he's innocent. You know, I think most of the world knew that R. Kelly was guilty like 20 years ago. You know, I remember when the Boondocks made that episode. You know about R. Kelly? How long ago was that? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. What, <laughs> Was, you know what I mean? That was yeah. That was that was and 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 that, and that's and another thing and that's and you know what it is? That's what that is is that's just the industry exploiting and 
being corrupt mm -hmm. and allowing the system to continue on. Because exactly as you said, everybody knew about R. Kelly. Yeah. You know, the fact that Huey Freeman in the 2000s with that low budget, no offense against the Boondocks or anything yeah. like that, but I know that that first season they didn't have a large budget. Yeah. I know for a fact they didn't give them a good, good budget because we could see after a while the animation got it 10 times better. So, yep. right? But if Huey Freeman in, I want to say 2006 to maybe yeah. 2008, maybe, around there, right? Yeah. No, around that time. If Huey Freeman is saying that, then we obviously know and this is a well-known fact, right? For a long the, time the, ago. In the, mm. We know that there are certain people in the industry that are what we call predators and they prey on people and they do not so great things. I'm going to mm -hmm. say that, right? And I'm not, that's not, no, that's not me downplaying R. Kelly or any exploitation or, you know, yeah. um, mm. thing, you know, it's happened to the industry. I'm not downplaying. I'm just trying to create a loose term to cover yeah, everything. To cover everything. Right? Exactly. Yeah. But, but um, but yeah, I mean, like you had whistleblowers for years, and no one really said anything. And I, and it's and 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 it kind of comes back to just how the like I said, like kind of how you said with like just the culture, like the culture that of the music culture, especially with rap and even with black music. Like mm -hmm. sometimes that's just that's just unfortunate culture that sometimes there are a lot of predators. You know, we hear, even there are a lot of predators in the game, and sometimes it's artists, sometimes it's labels. You yes, know, especially um, labels. We, especially labels. Like you mm -hmm. look at, you look at, for example, NBA YoungBoy just recently we came out complaining about Antic Records, right? And somebody else on the same team on on the label said that wasn't my experience. And now you have two conflicting ideas of what this label actually is and what they do to artists. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. But you know that's another topic for another day. We can get into. Yeah, that's but actually in terms of. I had that on my list to talk about record labels with you another time because that's a whole mm, yeah. different ball that's game. That's a whole you other know. monster joking about you want to get into. <laughs> I, I, I always say, you know, record labels, you know, basically the whole the whole idea is that black music, um, especially when it comes to the hardcore gangster rap, right, makes a lot of money, you know, and the record labels profit from that. And that rap, you know, contributes to gang violence so basically, in essence, the record labels are profiting off of black kids killing black kids, you know. But yep. that's a topic for another day. That's a whole different ball game. But for now, we're at about an hour of recording, so I want to get this wrapped up. I'm really hungry, and I got my mm. dog and my girlfriend downstairs waiting for me to cook dinner. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. Um. But, so all right. Yeah. So just what one final point I kind of wanted to, to bring about and kind of talk about is you know the idea that. You know, kind of to summarize everything up, you know, when we're, we've been talking a lot about like black culture and black mm -hmm. music and the appearance, and we've been kind of linking them all together and stuff, which I love. But one thing I really wanted, I, I you know, it's always interested me is that how these music, like how black culture has impacted different areas that, you know, they, yeah. that the black diaspora has gone to, you know, like because, for example, um, we know, you know who Shinsi is, right? Yep, yep. So obviously you have an American artist um, audience. So let me explain real quick. So Shinsia is a Jamaican um, artist, right? She's a she's considered a dancehall artist, right? And Shinsia is she was on. If you don't know, you know she was actually on Donda uh, with Kanye West. Yeah. Um, she's done. She did. She did. I think two songs. She did the vocals for 
okay, I can't remember the song off the top of my head, but she did a vote. She sang in one and then she rapped in the other one, mm-hmm. right? Which I love. I love Shinsia. But what we see, um, what we're seeing, you know, with Shinsia now, she's a dancehall artist. Now she's coming, she's coming now into what we call North American market. Mm-hmm. Right now, she's not the only dancehall artist to be able to do this. You know, Spice was able to do this. Everybody kind of knows everyone who knows knows Spice, right? Um, and Popcorn is also another artist who's also done, it. and he was able to kind of break into the market a little bit, or at least become a little bit more well known in the American market thanks to Drake. Yeah, Shinsia yeah. now I guess is using the Kanye West, you know, feature as an assist, mm-hmm. right? And so recently, she she you know she released a song called Lick featuring Meg Thee Stallion, right? I call that basically a WAP clone. You know, they're yeah. basically going for the exact. They were trying to be. They were trying to do WAP 2.0. Mm-hmm. And to me personally, it it fell flat. And how I'm linking back this to, to culture is that Shinsia recently, I guess she was at a dance studio and she was, you know, she's doing her thing, doing whatever she's doing, and she's heard her song "Lick" with Meg Thee Stallion being played. Yeah. So she walks into the dance studio. And opens the door and they're dancing to her song and she's like oh my god <laughs> and everybody kind of turns and looks at her knowing and nobody knows who this she is yeah, not yeah. one person says oh my god Shinsia! and then it takes you see it to say oh you guys i heard you guys were dancing to my song and they're like oh my god Shins-. that's when they go oh my god yeah. Shinsia. Mm. and so when i see that right to me it's look it's to me it's a perfect it's a perfect example of where I'm going to say white culture because that room was full of white people, white yeah. kids. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm not gonna say white kids, but white people. Mm. You know, white dance, white dancers. They were full of white dancers who had no idea who Shinsia was, what she looked like, or besides what she, besides that song, what she sounded like. Yeah. Right. And to me, that's a perfect allegory to how black culture and black music is kind of treated in America. Mm-hmm. You know, Tommy and Susan's mom don't know. Who they know who Drake looks like, but they don't know who some of who NBA Youngboy looks like. Yeah, yeah. Right. So it's like there's there's this constant idea that it's like as you as exactly what you said earlier about labels profiting basically off of gang violence. It's this idea that it's like okay, we love what you bring to the table, but we don't care about you as a person. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know exactly. what I mean. And granted, with the CS example, she's obviously a new artist to a lot of Americans. So I'm not gonna. It's not a perfect example but there are a lot of examples of times where you have white america who listens to hip-hop rap and want and sees that and says okay this is what it means to be black mm-hmm. when that exactly. is probably the of the iceberg yeah right exactly so if you are listening to this you know um obviously i'm not saying you can't listen to predominantly black originated music or art you can but um, if you are not from the Afro Caribbean, Afro American, you know, if you are not essentially black, yeah. right? Um, one thing I definitely will tell you to do is I want you to, I don't want a lot of people to think that, oh, I hear NBA Youngboy and I hear or whoever I hear and think that is a representation of the black mm-hmm. experience and the black yeah. culture. It's because not. if we're being completely, we're being, we're being completely honest, everything that has happened in terms of within the African diaspora from slavery to emancipation, you know, to us, you know, to black people trying to find a place in society. Yeah. We've had to go about it through either the arts, through the sports, you know, we've had to find our own avenues. And when we see, you know, when I see artists, you know, when I see artists like Shinsia or I see artists 
I'm trying to think of another like Popcorn or other artists, other predominantly black artists, not from the hip hop group, but try to make it in the North, you know, North American market yeah. and they're struggling. To me, it's like a slap in the face because it's like these artists are good. Mm-hmm. Right. The, the only difference is that these aren't your stereotypical black artists. Exactly. They're not gang bangers. They're not this. They're exactly. from a completely different area. And yet we li- there's a lot of white Americans who listen to these artists and have no idea who these artists are. No idea where they come from. Mm-hmm. You know, one example was, you know, one example was they were talking about popcorn on the radio. These two, these groups, you know, you know, the groupies, yeah, you know. Yeah. And they were talking and they were like, oh yeah, the Toronto artist Popcorn. Yeah, I saw that. And we're I saw like, that. And every, first of all, Toronto Twitter blew up because we were <laughs> like, course. Toronto? Mm. He's not Toronto. Then they said he put on an accent. Popcorn actually had to come out and say, what accent am I talking about? <laughs> what accent do I use? So one, like, if there's one thing you, you, you know, sorry, can you go ahead? Yeah, it's, it's, it's like that video of that lady saying that um, they're in downtown Canada. Meanwhile, they're on yeah. Young Street. You know, it, it's it's a whole. Um, I, I think it's, it's especially in the American context. You know, they paint the entire hip hop and rap industry, and the entire black music industry, with the same brush. You know, that it's all the same. Yep. You know, meanwhile, yep. and, and- like here in Canada, right in Toronto, you know, and, and the suburbs, you know, we grew up in a society where black music could be anything. Like from dancehall, mm-hmm. soca, trap, hip hop, R and B, you know, soul, funk. It could be so many things. Whereas in the mainstream American context, it's only rap. That's it. Yeah. You know, it's only, it's, it's either you're a rap artist, you're a rapper, or you're an R and B artist. There's yeah. no thing. Exactly. And, and, and one and one thing I and one thing one artist who I really liked who challenged that idea was Little Nas X. Yeah. You know, I really liked that when he first came out, he really, like that first track, you know, Horse, oh, um, um, Old Town Road. What was it called? Old, Old Town, Town Road. Road. Yeah, Old Town Road. I was so happy to see like him blend like hip hop and like country mix. Now, obviously yeah. I knew he wasn't only going to be a country, country. artist. Like yeah. hearing, hearing how he made that song and how he sounded the song, I'm like, that's a rapper. I don't I care think, what anyone has to say, he's a rapper. I think Lil Nas X, you know, he deserves an episode of his own because that guy, like, I, I'm not a biggest fan of his music, but there's no denying that he just, I don't know what it is. You know, maybe it's confidence. I don't know. But everything he puts out you know what, is hits. You know what it is? It's, it's, you know what? It's people, what we're seeing now is that social media is taking over. Social media oh, yeah. is what makes or breaks you. And yeah. if you have a good enough person, like how you interact on social media is scrutinized just as much as your music. Exactly. Little Nas X, for as much controversy as he has been in, he's handled it with humor. He's oh, yeah. handled it with, honestly, as much as as much as much he's pushed, he's poked the bear and poked the badger, he's done it all in creative new ways. Yeah. Well, not, not new, but in creative ways that as much as I don't agree, I can laugh at, I can see him like, well, I can see what you're saying. I can see what you're talking about. Mm. Right. Um, but yeah, you're, you know, one thing is that what you said, you hit on the head. That's what was the sentence I was trying to get is that with, you know, African American artists, whether you're in, in, in any sphere, you're constantly boxed into this yeah. thing, yeah. into this. You're either a rapper or an R&B artist, mm-hmm. you know, and it's frustrating because when you get to things like the Grammys and stuff, you see all these artists, you know, they're probably predominantly white artists winning these categories, and you're like, 
but so and so is technically in this category. So and so, but no, they're not. They're stuck in R and B. And one of the things that's yeah. been bothering a lot of people recently is that how do we classify black artists in the? And you know, how do we classify black artists who want to be in a space outside of? You know, outside the typical of black, yeah, the typical black art mm-hmm. space as seen, you know, mainstream media, yeah. Mm-hmm. And one thing, and another thing, and another, and another aspect to that is that a lot of artists, you know, um, some artists when they want to make mainstream, and now I'm speaking primarily out of the Caribbean aspect. You know, if yeah. you're a Caribbean mm-hmm. artist wanting to make in North America, there's definitely a filter that you that labels or you know people around you will try to do. You know, and we see it. Like Spice was able, Spice was kind of able to overcome it a little bit. But if we're being completely honest, mm-hmm. when Spice releases music for the North American content, like for the North American our, um people that she, uh, her North American audience, that's correct. What I'm looking for. Yeah, it's not the raunchy Spice from Rumpin's Shop with Vibes Cartel. That's not yeah. the same Spice. Mm-hmm. She had to change herself a little bit, right? Shinsia is another example of that. Shinsia, if you listen to Link. She sounds, there's no Caribbean accent there whatsoever. Mm-hmm. The new song, she, she also did another song with, um, what's his, is it Little Baby? I forget who. She's, she did another song with some other guy, right? Which yeah. she rapped, which I was like, okay, cool. But she, her accent is not there as much, yeah. right? Which tells me that people are getting to her saying, hey, you want to make it here? You got to lose that accent. Yeah. And, I hate, and I hate when that happens to, especially Caribbean artists, because that's what makes you so unique the accent that's yeah. what makes you the accent the caribbean mentality the like you know that those type of things is what makes you you right mm. and when you come into this industry i don't like it that you have to come into this industry and you have to strip this up you can't have the you can't have the accent you can't have this and basically what i see them trying to do is i feel like they're going to make her into like a sweetie clone a yeah. sweetie or a meg clone mm. and i don't mm. like that for her because she's so much more than that and yeah. that's one thing I really want. If you take away from anything is that just like we said about Kanye West being an artist, not limiting himself, a lot of artists kind of do that, you they know? And yeah. we, as you know, we, as a, the black community, we need to empower them. Hey, we need to empower. Hey, you like music. Okay. You don't have to rap. You know, yeah. you don't have to be an R and B singer. You want to bring country songs, go make country do songs. What you encourage that, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. encourage, we need to encourage ourselves and our community to go out of our comfort zones and get out. You know, because if we don't, we're just going to allow them to keep boxing. The art. We're, we're going to continue to have art and great artists come up, not get their flowers and continually getting boxed into these stereotypical roles, mm-hmm. you know? Well, you know, and that's why I want, to, I want that freedom. That's that's honestly the whole point of me rebranding my podcast, you know, because I heard so many like artists from all all ethnic backgrounds being boxed into their certain genres. Meanwhile, there's so much more. You know, and that, you know, say, for instance, you will never see a black artist get recognized at the country music awards, you know, because they just don't recognize black country artists in the same light as white country artists. You know, like you may not like Mm -hmm. country music, but you can't deny the fact that there are some really good black country singers out there. You just never heard of them because they're never pushed, you know, so the Mm -hmm. idea of this podcast is to like. Bring that to light, you know. Let me show you the people who are breaking the boundaries in whatever genre of music they're in. But we're gonna have to wrap it up. I'm starving. It's almost mm-hmm. seven thirty, and I gotta work yeah, tomorrow. So, <laughs> oh man. But Anyways, yeah. Terrell, as always, 
It's great having you on the show. I'm going to have you on this podcast a bit more than the last one because I know you know a lot about music. You're a hip-hop head. You know a lot. So it's good to have you on the show. I'll keep having you on the show. And we can talk more about record labels at another time. Uh, any last 100%, things? 100%, man. Any last uh, um, statement, especially to the American audience? Cause... I mean, to the Amer- <laughs> I mean, one thing I always tell Americans um, is, and this is a kind of a, this is, and it's not really an, um, it's, it's an American creative problem in the sense that I want a lot, I tell Amer- any American I mean, I say, you guys need to stop thinking that you're the best at everything. Yes. You know what I mean? Like, yes. like we, like the music industry, I think it's time that we open up the music industry from just looking at North America and mm-hmm. look at international. Because yes. let's, if we're being completely honest, music is an international, is an international language. It is. Like yeah. I listen to K-pop. I listen to, I listen to Japanese anime opening music. You know, yeah. I don't only just listen to R&B hip hop. Mm-hmm. Right. So if you guys, like, if you're listening to this, you're American, Go out there, listen to some Afro beats, you know, listen, listen to some African artists, listen to some Caribbean artists, listen to some Spanish artists. Yeah. You know what I mean? Put on, put on like, Burna Boy, put on uh, Marshall put on, Montano, here's some anybody. stuff. Yeah. Mm. Do something, do what you, you know, listen, don't just box yourself in because if you box yourself in, because the, the great, the funny thing about people don't realize is that some of the art, the reason why you like some of these great artists is because they themselves don't box their, their ears in. Exactly. They listen to everything. Travis, you, where do you think Travis Scott got that Spanish girl to do Highest in the Room remakes from? Yeah. He had to listen to Spanish, some sort of Spanish music, or mm. someone had to clue in and say, hey, there's a really good Spanish girl who could sing and she would sound really good on this song. Mm. So don't limit yourself. Don't box yourself. Don't only think American artists is the wave. Because I promise you, Drake is killing all these guys. And guess what? Oh, yeah. He's not American. <laughs> you know, Drake is the number one rapper in the world right now and has been for the past like five, six years. So you and, know and, and no one's gonna t- and no one's gonna catch him. He's nope. he's he's gone. He's he is gone. gone. You he may hate will, the guy. He will but probably... There's no denying the fact that he is the king right now in the hip hop world. Oh, one hundred percent. The world revives around Drake. If Drake, trust me, I'm telling you, Drake, Drake, Drake. I'm sorry, if Drake were to get, if Drake were to get experimental, like, like Kanye West yeah. did, or well, Drake, I mean, I would even argue that Drake does kind of is is as experimental as Kanye West. It's just he is is more polished. Yeah, you know, because yeah. I always feel I always feel like every album Drake goes through a new identity crisis. Yeah, he you does. know, we had yeah. Champagne Poppy with Take Care. Yeah, you had the little afro, the little mustache, the little glass. You know, that the 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 two day the two day old shave. You know, yeah. the glasses. He was set. You know. And then he kind of evolved and he cut his hair and then he got his little waves going and now he's a Toronto man, you know? Yeah. yeah. So then he started rocking bubble jackets now he's a UK man. So like... <laughs> Drake's it, worldwide. It's wild out here. Mm. <laughs> Anyways, man, it's great having you on the show. Um, I'll have you back on the show soon enough. But uh, yeah, for now, stay of safe. Course. You know, typical COVID protocols and all that. Wear your mask. Y'all oh, better get vaccinated. I'm talking to you Americans. But we'll talk about that another day because some of y'all pissing me off. Anyways, Terrell, I really appreciate having you on the show. All right. No problem. I love being on it, man. Anytime I can talk about music is a good day for me. Yeah, for sure. Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode because we enjoyed creating it. I will have Terrell on the show in the future, definitely, because he's one of the most knowledgeable people I know about popular... Wait, does that make sense? He... Anyways, he's a smart guy, and he knows a lot about popular music, especially 
uh, popular music pertaining to black culture. So, anyways, I hope you enjoyed that episode. You can check out the show on social media at Rebel Studio Pod. And you can also listen to the episode, which is accompanying this episode, episode zero, I guess you can call it, which is an episode just introducing myself and why I decided to go through so many rebrands and I ended up here in my podcasting, I guess you would call it a career. Anyways, I'm Nate, the host of Rebel Studio Pod. Thank you for listening.